Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Hey everyone, Doug and Derek here. The episode you're about to listen to is a special episode that we're doing because it's our last of the year. But before we get into it, we have some news that we want to announce for the upcoming year, 2021. At the end of last year, we introduced our weekly format that we've been doing all year long. We updated our Patreon and we debuted our Spider Bites, which is really wild because it feels like we've been doing those for much longer than just... A year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We are really proud of everything that we've done, and we plan to pretty much keep all of that going kind of as is, but for the year 2021, we're introducing a new main feed special episode format called Revisited Episodes. Yeah, I'm really excited about those because Revisited, it's kind of exactly how it sounds, but maybe also a little bit different than how it sounds than what you might expect. So the thing about these Revisited Episodes is that we are revisiting either an episode or even just a, generally a series that we've already talked about. So, you know, for one, that helps us, you know, maybe if we have changed our minds on certain things or have different perspectives than we did when we recorded or something like that, what what have you, gives us an opportunity to go back and talk about those episodes or shows so we're not, you know, so we don't have to have been completely done with them, right? The thing that's really exciting about it is that for those revisited episodes, we are going to bring on a guest or sometimes guests, plural. We have a lot of ideas and people that recording and people that we've got locked in, but I think there's going to be some really cool people that we'll have on for those revisited episodes that I'm very excited about. Yes. The reason that they are sort of separate, aside from just the fact that we're covering either episodes or arcs or, you know, pieces of series that we've watched before is that the format is different and that we are there's fewer rules for them really honestly we could talk about just one episode we could talk about an arc right so for example if we wanted to talk about the introduction of venom in the 90s episode with somebody who is an expert on something like that we're not going to limit it to one episode we're going to talk about that whole arc and we're just going to have a discussion about it so we're not going to go through the beats all over again we're just going to get new perspectives and kind of reflect on that and and like you said see where we're at It's cool, too, because we will have covered more shows since we talked about those episodes. So there may be new parallels and new analogies that we didn't necessarily have before. And by having guests on, we get different voices and like people other than our like white cis gay selves talking about stuff, which (laughs) which is always important to have, especially with shows like these that touch so many different types of people. Exactly. Very excited to get those different perspectives. So since these episodes will require more coordination and actual booking, and we don't necessarily want to slow down our coverage of every Spider-Man cartoon ever too much, our sort of like current goal that we've sort of talked internally is like, if we can get six of these out in 2021, that'll be a success. That doesn't mean there will only be six of them. Sometimes it might just happen that we have a great guest or a great idea or something just strikes us. And so maybe there'll be more, but uh, what you can expect is that they will drop on your main feed like normal. They will be that week's episode, unless for some reason we decide to do things differently. And I mean, you don't have to do anything differently or go anywhere differently. Um, They will just pop up for you and it'll be something different and a little bit surprising. Yeah, really excited to be able to to do this and do something different while also doing what we've been doing all along. So I think that y'all are going to love it. We're really excited about it. 
it's just going to be a great a great new addition to our our roster of of episodes in 2021 yeah. yeah so keep your eyes peeled for that it shouldn't be too long uh before you see one of them in your feed yeah and in the meantime enjoy this very special very fun episode we have coming up right now <laughs> Wallop and web snappers. Let me spend your senses tingling. 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 else's spider sense tingling welcome to walloping web snappers a spider-man podcast where we dive into every spider-man cartoon ever made i'm derek and i'm doug and is your spider sense tingling yeah 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 wow to listen to the show find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts this podcast is brought to you by revenge lover designs illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit revengelover.com and we've got a very special episode. This is our end of the year episode, and it's great, and I'm excited because we've got some guests. We yeah. have got Eric and Zach, both from the Ranger Command Power Hour. What is up, guys? Woo! Hey, to the listeners of Walloping Web Snappers, <laughs> we're here. Greetings, true believers. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, like, not saying your own podcast's name, right? It, like, it's yep. like a strange thing, like, in your brain. Like, it's, I know I'm yeah. saying the right thing, but, like... <laughs> um, well, the reason we have Eric and Zach here from Ranger Command Power Hour specifically is because today, kind of like last year at the end of the year, we're talking about something different than what we would normally talk about. We're actually not talking about a cartoon at all today we are talking about the live action japanese spider-man show from toei and yes it is spider-man you've probably seen it spelled phonetically by like syllables and stuff but it is spider-man so i'm gonna say it once so that everybody knows what i mean you've probably seen supida man before but it's mm-hmm. Spider-Man. That's the name of the hero, everybody. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today. Japanese Spider-Man. Yep, 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 yep. You got to differentiate it officially from Marvel. The official name is Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah. Now. So happy to go by that and uh, not use the kind of racist version of the name. So <laughs> <laughs> I always I always felt weird people saying that. I'm like, that's just spider-man like you don't have to sound like you're talking japanese or have a japanese accent that's bad and i get where it comes from because it is like if you do spell it by syllables because it is a different language that's what you're going to end up seeing all over the place and that's that's for phonetics that's so that's the like Mm -hmm. that's like a pronunciation guide in japanese but it's this it's you know we'll go through all the differences but the hero name is still spider-man right Mm mm-hmm Cool. Well, since we have you all on, what's you all's connection to Spider-Man and or Tokusatsu? Because we're going to talk a lot about that, too. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, Ranger Command, we talk about Power Rangers, which is based on Japanese Tokusatsu. And my history with Spider-Man, I've always loved Spider-Man. Like, ever since I was a kid, I loved the Fox TV show, the cartoon, the Fox cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I I grew up with that, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, radioactive <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> like I I love that stuff. And I think 
my love for Spider-Man really peaked when the Sam Raimi movies came out. Yes. The first Sam Raimi movie, because I was a huge Sam Raimi fan before that, like Evil Dead, you know, Hercules and Xena and all that stuff. So when he made Spider-Man, like the first Spider-Man, I saw that Sam Raimi was attached to it. I was like, holy cow, I need to watch this. And I mean, God, I did like art for the original Spider-Man. I did oh, like, nice. I, I like drew stuff. I did digital art for it. I, I just, I love the Sam Raimi trilogy, even, even the third one. Like I know a lot of people hate that and it's, you know, it's got some parts here and there, but overall I just, I love that trilogy, Tobey Maguire, all of that. So I'm not like a huge Spider-Man fan in terms of like, like I'm constantly consuming it or anything like that, but I think I need to more because Spider-Man is such a cool hero and I I can identify with, you know, the nerdy Peter Parker getting superpowers and it's just really cool. And I've, I've enjoyed any Spider-Man thing that I've watched. Like Into the Spider-Verse was insane and amazing (laughs) and incredible. And it it just kind of ignited all of that stuff. So I've, I've kept up with Spider-Man here and there. And I think the latest thing I've read Spider-Man wise was, the J.J. Abrams five issue <laughs> miniseries, which five I issues. I heard that sigh. I heard, and it, it took it took a, over a year to finish that series. It was like I picked up the last issue only a couple weeks ago from my comic book shop, and I'm like, oh wow, it's finally done. And and my comic book guy was like, yep, finally. Yep. <laughs> there were so many weird delays with that, and yeah. the only reason I picked it up, I was like cool it's jj abrams and his son and they got together and wrote a spider-man thing like that's awesome (laughs) and then it got delayed and this and that and it was just it was a hassle yeah we haven't talked about that that little mini series here and i i suspect we won't (laughs) yeah sure i think i read the first two issues of it and was like derek i don't think this one's for me (laughs) the little i know of the plot i i i like i i have consumed quite a bit of jj abrams stuff and i think i'm a bigger fan of him than a lot of other people kind of rightfully are because he's also made some mistakes but i just knowing the plot of that one i'm like i don't think i want to read that (laughs) i think that was one of the mistakes (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's kind of my history with uh, with Spider Man. I don't know if you need to deep dive into anything else, but I I love Spider Man. I love the character. I love the concept. I love that there are multiple Spider Men and women. I love that there's a whole universe of Spider personas out there, and it's 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 amazing. It's an incredible universe. Hell yeah, hell yeah. What about you, Zach? I mean, yeah, I started pretty much the same way Eric did. My first exposure to Spider-Man was the animated series in the 90s on Fox. Just because, you know, it was like that everything was there. Power Rangers was there. Yeah. Spider-Man was there. Batman was there for a short time before he moved to the WB. And so, yeah, Spider-Man, again, just really resonated with me as a kid because I, I, I was that awkward nerd. That was, that was me on screen. I was the awkward, <laughs> you know, weird nerd that, you know, uh, wanted to do good in the world. And so... Uh, for that reason, yeah, Spider-Man just quickly rocketed up. He's one of my favorite Marvel heroes. And yeah, like Eric, I consumed as much Spider-Man as I could back in the day with the cartoons, with, you know, checking out some of the comics when I was a kid. Uh, all of the movies, of course. The Raimi trilogy was, you know, for the time, 
the definitive Spider-Man that we ever got. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, watching Spider-Man 2 and you're seeing Doc Ock on screen Uh. and it's just like, oh, this is the best part (laughs) of any movie ever. Alfred Molina, Uh please be Doc Ock forever. You don't need to tell us. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And then, you know, with the more recent Spider-Man, Tom Holland just nails it, I think. He's that great mix of the shy, nerdy Peter Parker with the girls. But then when he's Spider-Man, he's quippy and he's confident and he's headstrong. And so, you know, getting to see the, the duality of that in play is is just so fun and again just i i love spider-man and his his recent uh, outings definitely looking forward to this third spider-man movie because yeah it sounds like it's going to be insane and i can't wait to see every second of it (laughs) and then you know obviously the two of you are coming from a power rangers podcast but typically that's sort of your main focus when it comes to to tokusatsu but i know that both of you also watch Japanese tokusatsu, which if you're not familiar, if you're listening to this because it's Spider-Man stuff and you don't know what we're saying when we're saying tokusatsu, the sort of like simple explanation is just Japanese special effects action shows. If mm-hmm. you've seen Power Rangers, that's pretty much tokusatsu. Well, it just is. I don't even know why I said pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you guys are familiar with this type of stuff. So I know you've watched um, Power Rangers, obviously. I know you've mm-hmm. watched certain Sentai series and Kamen Rider series and stuff. Have either of you watched any of what we're talking about today prior to this? Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> me this, neither. <laughs> this was my first exposure when you guys yep. came to me and were like, hey, uh, we're going to watch the Toei Spider-Man. Uh, do you guys want in? And I was like, uh, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> this gives me the excuse that I need to actually finally exactly. sit yeah. and watch this and see how crazy it is. You know, it's funny you say that because even though it's a Spider-Man property, I was sort of in the same boat where, like, I was like, I'll probably watch that eventually. It's nowhere near the top of my list. But now I kind of have a reason to to do it in a formal way. And now that I've watched some of it, I'm like, I'm 100% going to watch the rest of this. (laughs) Oh, God, right? Right? And I'm, like, mad I waited this long. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, I mean, to be fair, it's not like it's easily accessible. Like, it's not legally available right now. We, you know, we had to look it up illegally. It's not hard to find, but... It's not easy Is to find. Is it illegal though? If it's the well, uh, uh, database. I'll say this: if this if this uh, stimulus bill passes tonight, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Oh uh, yeah, they snuck in uh, uh, yeah. legalese in the bill that says, "Hey, if you're caught streaming copyrighted material, it's a felony. You're going to jail." Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. So that's why okay. ev- everyone on Twitter is like, "Hey." Uh, Congress, do the good thing and vote no on this stupid bill. <laughs> Yikes. Agreed. Yikes. Um, it is. That's a good question, though, Eric, because, like, the show was released legally by Marvel, but for a very short window of time. Yeah. And so, you know, I've said this on our commentary episodes before. Like, if we found it, you can, too. We probably just won't tell you exactly where to find it. But you can find it if we did. And uh, Marvel did at one point release it. Legally, I think so. that they would if they could. I think it's probably tied up in so much like wacky licensing stuff at this point that they just don't want to have to deal with it. Like there probably was some kind of short term deal that allowed them to stream it temporarily or something because it, it doesn't make any sense for them to not have it legally released or not saying saying that they're going to have it legally released, given that I feel like there's been kind of a rise in popularity or at least awareness of this recently i was gonna say people are more aware of it now than they ever have been like it's a much more mainstream consciousness thing yeah and it's going to only continue to be that because and i don't know you know there's no real 
better place to put this, but like the directors of Into the Spider-Verse basically said like we want to include Takia in the next Spider-Verse movie. We mm-hmm. we don't know how they're going to do that, but yeah. um they've shown interest. And so if that's one of the most popular, you know, Spider-Man movies, if he shows up, <laughs> yeah. interest and in, in awareness is only going to skyrocket even and further. If- if they if they figure out a way to allow it to be legally available in America, they will make it happen just just yeah. for synergy with that movie. So we'll how see. Wild, how wild would it be if this shows up on Disney Plus? See, I was just thinking that because like they had that documentary the the Marvel mm-hmm. documentary. The first episode is mm-hmm. about Japanese yeah. Spider Man. So like obviously they know there's an interest here in the States for this, like you could just bring it over and put it on Disney Plus. I mean, I know that I, I hate saying this because, you know, we frequently talk about how, like, Disney Plus is our lord and savior and it has everything we love, mm, yeah. but also owns literally the world. <laughs> yep. I mean, if they threw enough money at it, I'm sure they could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for something as sort of like small and relatively insignificant as this, I'm sure they're not trying to throw, yeah. you know, heaps right. and heaps of money it's, on it. Yeah. It's still relatively niche. I don't know what motivated them to make the first episode of that documentary series this. I don't know if maybe there is motivation tied up in there somewhere, but I I would love to see it eventually. Yeah. My understanding from the series is that it was very director driven for it because it's a different Mm -hmm. director, I think, kind of looking at their interests for every episode of it. Like it's kind of partially an anthology. So I have a feeling it's more probably in that case, it was just more mm. the direct, a director already had an interest. I don't remember who directed that one, but already had an interest in it and pitched it more so than Disney. The conglomerate was like, let's introduce audiences to Spider-Man this way. Like <laughs> it would be cool if that was the case, but I feel like it yeah. might not be the case. I would love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, that uh, documentary series, that Marvel 616 documentary series on Disney+, Plus, Derek, you pulled some really cool information from there and from some other places, like production-wise, that uh, I'm sure you would love to share with us. Yeah, I'll, I promise I won't just be talking at people forever. But <laughs> You won't. The, we'll interrupt. <laughs> because I think that the, the documentary is worth watching. It's really good. It's, it's relatively short, too, but has a really, it has some really great interviews with actors and creators from the show. Oh, my and gosh. Like, I was, like, melting watching those interviews. They are all just, I like, still have to watch they're it. really good. Oh, Eric, you really, really do. I know, it's like, I know. The, the actors are just like the the loveliest people. Like I just felt no, so instantly connected to, to them. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, um, I will. And, and this is just the cliff notes of some of the stuff. They tell some really great stories that I'm not going to talk about here because watch the documentary. It's there. Yeah. But there's still some fun stuff and stuff that wasn't included in the documentary. But yeah, the, so the cliff notes version, if you're just completely not familiar with Japanese Spider-Man at all, it's basically more or less kind of an in-name only adaptation of Spidey. I have some issues with that because I actually think it. T- I agree. It, it's more relevant to Spider-Man than I think people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. But yep. essentially, it's it's Spider-Man featuring aliens and giant transforming robots that does not feature Peter Parker. It takes place in Japan, very much a Tokusatsu show. It came basically just because of a licensing deal between Marvel and the Toei Company, which we have talked mm. about on this podcast before. Yeah. Because Toei also did the Marvel Disc Wars anime that we have talked about previously. Um, also wild as fuck, by the way. Just wild show. Um, <laughs> it's just on the same level as this show, I would say. It's just as an anime instead of live action. It's just bonkers. 
But yeah, so they're like one of the most prominent entertainment companies in Japan. Like in live action, they're known for all the big tokusatsu shows like Kamen Rider and Super Sentai, which like we said is the thing that was adapted into Power Rangers in the States. So that would be the thing that pretty much everyone is familiar with from it. And also just worth mentioning, just to show how wide Toei's reach is, their animation subset has worked on the likes of like Digimon and One Piece, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon. They also did commission work on American cartoons like the 1981 Spider-Man series series and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So continued to be deeply tied into Spider-Man ever since this show uh, officially. So one thing that I think was kind of interesting that wasn't mentioned in the documentary, supposedly Toei apparently initially wanted to use Spider-Man like an actual authentic kind of Peter Parker Spider-Man character as a supporting character for a series starring a fictionalized version of like a legendary prince from Japanese history named Yamato Takeru. I don't really know anything about that legend. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that before, but it's apparently Um, like a big one. I know that none of us are like the biggest fans of Common Rider Ghost, but it was this like that had a lot of historical figures. Is this one that any of you remember? I really didn't watch. I didn't watch Ghost. Okay. (laughs) Cool. We're all experts here. I'm going to go back and watch because it would be really cool if this ended up being like one of those figures. (laughs) That would be funny. Yeah. I didn't look into like the story behind it, but it's a popular enough one that there's been like a bunch of adaptations um, of that figure. And the story was going to be he was sent to the present via a time warp. And for whatever reason, he teams up with Spider-Man. Cool. Oh, I totally would have expected it to go in the other direction. That's hilarious. (laughs) But yeah, as you can probably guess, Toei kind of changed their minds and decided, why don't we just make Spider-Man the main character? He's cool. (laughs) So it was reimagined to kind of fit what was sort of popular trends and interests in Japan at the time, which included elaborate metal robot toys. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, it's I think at the time they talk about the documentary, but it was sort of hard to sell like just character figures in Japan. At least at that time, robot things were the things that were selling. Um, and and still is apparently yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, guess, what it feels like I guess so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't feel like I really see that many like figures of like Sentai characters whenever I want to mm-hmm. look for them. But one of my favorite parts about the documentary is that they interview uh, Katsushi Murakami, who is the toy designer and mechanical engineer on the Spider-Man show. And Mm. he worked with the company Poppy to create this like cool giant robot for Spidey that they could sell as a toy. But in this case, it became what was essentially like the first transforming robot toy. At least that's how they how they present it in the documentary that like this was the first time they created a toy that could transform in the way that the Marveler ship transforms into the Leopardon battle robot, which, you know, is a big deal because now we see that like all the time everywhere and all types of things. Um, You know what my favorite thing that Murakami said, and I thought of you, Derek, when he said it, mm -hmm. was he was like, he basically went on this like very small uh, soapbox about, like, robots are cool. Every show should have robots. If it were up to me, I'd put a big, huge robot in Superman. And I was like, (laughs) I want Derek's thoughts immediately. (laughs) Sure. I agree. Put robots in everything. I I think that's the rightest opinion anyone has ever had. Look, I'd, I'd be down for Superman like huge robot thing that he can interact with and uh, kick some butt with. Why not? Why not? You yeah. get a mech. You get a mech. You get a mech. <laughs> Everybody gets a mech. Why not? That would be amazing. 
<laughs> my other thing that I really liked from the documentary is that the weird thing about the Spider-Man is that he has a battle robot. You'd think it would be like a spider robot and it's not, it's like a Sphinx car that turns into a battle <laughs> robot and it just happens to have webs on it in a couple of places. So Murakami was asked about that. It was like, why did you do like the Sphinx lion type thing on it? And he was, and he basically was just like, I don't know. I thought it made sense in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he said, like, and the quote that, he, that I have from him is, I just designed them and no one really questioned why. I love that so much. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I love that it comes from the fact that he, for some reason, which he never explains, for some reason thought that, like, a Sphinx and Spider-Man just vibed. Like, with no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> right. Just, like, a natural, like, connection for him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I want to, I'm curious. I want to dig inside of that head because that sounds oh, yeah. fascinating. One other thing I don't think the documentary mentioned either is that about, like, I think it's about halfway through Spider-Man's productions, the Leopardin suit actually got stolen. And since this was a very low-budget show, they didn't really have the funds to create a new suit. So the producers just spliced in any stock footage they had of Leopardin for any battle scenes for, like, the whole back half of the show, which I think all of us are very familiar with uh, yeah. recycled footage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and honestly, it fits really well into what the show's re- sort of, like, required or, like, by necessity vibe was anyway. You know, mm-hmm. like, the show ends up having an aesthetic that is very sort of, like, repeat heavy and i think they try to stylize it as much as they can so it fits in fine i bet you i would have gotten through the whole show without even noticing yeah i mean we're kind of used to i mean even like not even and i'm not even just talking about like power rangers but like spider-man cartoons all oh, use yeah. a lot of recycled footage too like that's just part of low budget productions <laughs> but yeah so you know this show is still important and this is the thing that i think one of those just kind of factoids that I think a lot of people associate, like, if they know about this show, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the show that, like, the Megazord and Power Rangers wouldn't exist without that, without this show. And, like, that's exactly. essentially true. Like, this did spark, like, the giant transforming robots element that we see to this day in lots of stuff. So Marvel and Toei's next partner production, which was Battle Fever J, which I I read it. On one place, I think it's actually cited on Wikipedia that it was originally going to be a Captain America production. But that's wild. The site, the citation on Wikipedia goes to like, like a really old fan site. Mm. So, huh. so I don't mm. know if that's accurate or not. Well, so take that with a grain of salt. But it makes sense. I am sense. curious though. I am curious though because the documentary says, and they never, they don't go full circle on this thought, but they do say that the initial agreement was that. Marvel would be able to use Toei's characters and Toei would be able to use Marvel's characters. And so to me, it seems totally believable that Toei would have been set to continue using Marvel characters. And at some point we should have seen, or it was expected that we would have seen Marvel comics featuring Toei characters, right? Is that the vibe you got from the beginning of the episode? Oh, I didn't really pick up on that. I feel like there's something that, that, that of course the Disney sanctioned documentary is not going to necessarily highlight, <laughs> but I think something must have fallen through either officially or unofficially, because I feel I got the impression that that guy who's featured in that episode really sort of like sat down with, you know, the, the Toei rep and said like, let's use each other's properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that was the initial, initial intent. So mm. I would buy that. I would buy that Captain America was supposed to be part of this or really any other, 
well, big uh, character at I, the time. I believe that Battle Fever J, which is an early Sentai, that was having characters from like every ranger in Battle Fever J was representing a different country. Oh yeah, and, and they had Miss America, didn't they? Miss America, right. but it, I think it, I believe it was supposed to be like a Captain America thing. Mm, see, okay, that that makes me buy it even more. Yeah, but yeah. it is weird that there's not like a more formal citation of that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, it's Wikipedia. Maybe they're just not paying that much attention to the Japanese Spider-Man <laughs> Wikipedia page. And It'll maybe, come out eventually. Yeah, something better <laughs> is out there. Yeah, it is. It is. It is always been interesting to me that like they stopped at Spider-Man. Like there was just like, we'll do one yeah. Spider-Man show. And that's, that's it for the Marvel toy thing. Like they still had an agreement, but they didn't really mm-hmm. make any other superheroes, even though this one seemed to be pretty reasonably successful. So I don't know. There seems like there's a bigger story there, but either way, the thing that's so influential about that is that that's the first super Sentai season to feature giant transforming robots, just like Spider-Man yep. had that became a staple in Sentai ever since a staple in other toku ever since uh the the uh documentary even cites like transformers as a giant robot property that probably only became as popular as it did and popular enough to sort of be adapted into america because of the popularity of giant transforming robots started by japanese spider-man so like we wouldn't have had any of this stuff without the japanese spider-man show which is pretty wild to think about considering that i don't think many americans were really very aware of it until like the 2000s you know (laughs) yeah yeah which is unfortunate because i mean i wouldn't have a power rangers podcast without (laughs) japanese spider-man i mean technically like we wouldn't have Mm -hmm. power rangers we wouldn't have this like superhero revolution that happened in the in the 70s with you know all these amazing uh japanese properties Yeah. yeah that's a good point yeah and also giant transforming robots are really cool so they're awesome (laughs) good job (laughs) good job spider-man thanks spider-man which might literally be how that episode ends with that guy being like thanks (laughs) spider-man i agree with that sentiment (laughs) exactly exactly cool so we're talking about the first two episodes of this show which i'm glad we watched the first two because a lot of a lot of backstory in that second episode that's left out oh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep but just to go over it real quick, uh, so the first episode of the Spider-Man series is entitled The Time of Revenge Has Come, Beat Down Iron Cross Group, exclamation point, exclamation point. The synopsis per IMDb is uh, the first episode of the Toei produced Japanese Spider-Man TV series sees motorcycle racer uh, Takia Yamashiro gain the powers of Spider-Man. With his new powers and the help of Marveler, he transforms into Leopardon in order to defeat Professor Monster and his evil Iron Cross army. It's just such a such a fascinating name for their main villains. Oh, I yeah. love, uh, yeah, like the simplisticness of it is just, it's perfect. Yep. Chef kiss. Mwah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Professor Monster. Why? Because he makes monsters. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, that works for me. <laughs> Fantastic. Yep. So the original air date for this first episode was May 17th, 1978. It was written by Shozo Oihara, who was the main writer of the first five Sentai series and then returned Ooh. for O-Ranger to work on staff for that, um, which is the season that was adapted as Power Rangers Zeo which is a fun connection for the After Dark episode that we're doing in January after this one comes back. Spoiler alert. Oh. 
Also, he was the main writer on The Return of Ultraman, the first five Metal Heroes series, and also the initial main writer on Kamen Rider Black. So he's very deeply, very deeply. (laughs) Prolific. And Kamen Rider Black RX was a masked writer here in the U.S. Yeah. That was the sequel to 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 Black, right? Yep. Yeah. That's so, yeah. This dude basically is just linked to Power Rangers. It's wild. Um, this episode was directed by uh, Koichi Takamoto, who was, I think, the supervising director on the show. He directed a bunch of the episodes, mm. including the second episode. The main thing that he did was that he directed on the first four Super Sentai series. I don't think he really did much on other Toku shows, from my understanding. And the second episode we're talking about is called Mysterious World, The Man Who Follows His Fate, because Tokusatsu title names are the best. <laughs> and the synopsis for this one is, when a train suspiciously overturns, Takia believes... Professor Monster and the Iron Cross Army are responsible, while flashbacks reveal the tragic details surrounding Garia's arrival on Earth and the transfer of power to Takia, which, like Derek mentioned, very critical information for the origin story here. So I'm also (laughs) glad we watched two episodes. (laughs) The original air date for this one was May 24th, 1978. It was written by Susumu Takaku, who wrote on a slew of Sentai from the first all the way through O-Ranger, wrote for Kamen Rider, and was a main writer for two Metal Hero series, and was the head writer for Hyaku Juo Go Lion, which would be adapted into the U.S. as part of Voltron. And just like the last one, directed by Koichi Takamoto. Yeah. So heavy hitters here. Yep. Yep. I, I didn't know this was so connected to so many things in my childhood. <laughs> right? Right? It like makes sense once you understand like yeah. where the show comes from. But it's just like if you sat there and said like, oh, yeah, there was this Spider-Man show that is deeply connected to all of the shows you watched as a child that have nothing to do with Spider-Man. You'd never believe me, you know? Yeah. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, where do we even start with these ones? I guess, like, a very brief, like, here's what Spider-Man is over here, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) Japanese Spider-Man, first off, no Peter Parker, no Aunt May, no Mary Jane, like, totally different cast of characters. So if you're going into it, expect that. And this Spider-Man has a very different origin story, obviously, than Peter Parker. But I thought this was interesting Derek, I'm wondering if you noticed this too. We just covered the 1979 Jessica Drew Spider-Woman cartoon. Mm -hmm. And there are actually some parallels here between how they get their powers, sort of. Yep. So Takuya ends up getting his powers, and we'll, we'll get into the stuff that leads up to it, but he ends up getting his powers from like this ancient dude who heals him from an injury, Mm. and he heals him with like a... like essence of spider basically which is kind of how jessica drew gets her powers in the cartoon over here that happens just a year later Mm -hmm. so 100 i appreciated that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then ultimately takia's motivation is that his father was working on combating this alien invasion or discovering this alien invasion he's killed investigating it and so takia has that as a personal motivation and then when he gets his powers from this guy named Garia, Garia sort of like passes on his mission to Takuya as well, which is to like avenge the destruction of his planet. So that's instead of like the whole Uncle Ben, great power, great responsibility thing directly, you have this different motivation. And that's kind of where we start off with like, here's our Spider-Man. Yeah. Can I just say like, I love that 
because I had always heard, because I never watched the series before this, like I knew of it. I actually knew the theme song because I've got like this official CD of like different various theme songs. So I, no way, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I knew, I know like the Sentai themes. And so I knew the Spider-Man theme uh, the Japanese Spider-Man theme. And it's a super catchy theme, but I had always heard Japanese Spider-Man, like, he he says, I'm the emissary of hell. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell? Like, how? What? For Spider-Man? And then... It's the best catchphrase. With yeah. these two episodes, I totally get why he's called that. This whole <laughs> mission of revenge. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's one of the sort of, like, main surface level distinctions, is that Peter Parker is motivated by, like, guilt and responsibility, and that sort mm. of phrase everybody knows now with great power comes great responsibility takuya is motivated by revenge and i don't think they're that different i think it's easy to adapt into a more peter parker role but i think on the surface and probably in a more tokusatsu-y type way that's sort of his constant is like i need to avenge my father and i need to avenge this planet Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which is probably a little jarring at first if you're here specifically for spider-man but uh, I can see the I can see the connection. Well, and, yeah. and speaking of you know Takuya's father, we kind of glassed over like okay, he's he's trying to find out about this alien invasion. He has the best job title I've ever heard. He oh my god is an astro archaeologist, and it's like I want that job. Yeah. How do I sign up to be an astro archaeologist? Because that's amazing, <laughs> right? You know what it is? It's like basically studying ancient aliens but like not as like a weird sort of pseudoscience racist sort of motivation it's not like, like that george <laughs> that george whatever his name is on history no Channel. i study archaeology from space yeah like yeah <laughs> yeah i love it I it's love awesome it. i yeah so uh, that's that was my two cents i wanted to chime in with because i have it in my notes literally my stream of conscious <laughs> note says i want to be an astroarchaeologist <laughs> It's no, that's totally cool. Like, we're not, you know, if you're if you're a regular listener of Walloping Web Snappers, you've already caught on. We're not doing beat by beat. We're just gonna ping pong to whatever we want. Yeah, I I will say I think you know we were talking a lot about like the comparison between Peter Parker's motivation and Takia's motivation, and sort of like guilt versus revenge and how they cross over and everything. I think the thing that struck me from this is that like yeah, revenge is the thing that he always talks about. But there is still, like, guilt and regret yes, from his yes. dad's death that they point yes. out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fact that he was planning to go to his his uh, motorcycle race instead of helping out his dad. And if he went with his family in the first place, he might have been there yep. to save him. And yep. they don't yep. hammer it in as much as Peter Parker stories do, but it's there and they call it out. I, I yeah, have that point exactly. also listed in my stream of conscious notes as Takuya says, fuck your UFOs. Life is about speed. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Takuya's, like, daredevil, like, speed, I must go faster, is basically Peter Parker's, like, I need money, I am consumed by being poor. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Peter Parker goes to wrestle, Takuya goes to be faster. Yep, he wants to go drive speedier. his dirt bike around and, and win races and, <laughs> oh, what, UFOs? Exactly. I don't care about UFOs. I but love even, that. E- even his dad was like, hey, if if that's what you want to do, go for it. And mm-hmm. he... He gets that validation from from his dad, like, oh, yeah, dad gets it. But, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, five minutes later, he's dead. Like, it's... Yeah. It, mm-hmm. th- these two episodes <laughs> were such a rubbernecking, like, back and forth. Like, the jump cuts in the first episode, I'm like, 
Am I missing stuff, or is this just how <laughs> okay, the episode is? We're, we're literally is. just going into my stream of conscious notes at this point, because I wrote, early toku editing is weird. It literally jumps all over the place with no <laughs> rhyme or reason. We went from the protagonist outside at night, smash cut to the woods the next day, where the professor's group we see for like a shot or two, and then we see the female general of the army taking out a vinyl toy to make it a full-size monster. Like All of that happened in a span of like a minute and a half. Yeah, they smash a lot into this first episode, and then the second episode, like, they basically just tell more of that story and, like, encase it in what we would expect from a typical tokusatsu Mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. Lots of backstory, lots of lore. I was wondering, because Takuya is, in the second episode, he's, like, going back into his memories slash telepathy, maybe, with... uh, And I thought it was hilarious. Like, oh my God, he's in, he's visiting his father's grave. That's not hilarious. But he goes into this church and like the whole Jesus and uh, what, Garia. 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 Yeah. Garia. Yeah. They're making like a bland, like, hey, this guy was kind of the space Jesus and like you're. <laughs> You're talking to him. And I was like, this is wild. This show is wild. I have, it's not subtle. I have that not in my subtle. episode two. Nope. Stream. Okay, we just we just have the same stream of conscious notes, Eric, because I have the crossfade yeah. with the statue of Jesus. Uh, nope. I said, uh, LOL at the crossfade from the statue of Jesus to Garia. Garia is now Spider Jesus. Okay, 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 okay. So here's the thing. So one thing that Derek and I have been sort of discovering that I think we were both aware of but are becoming far more aware of is that, like, the premonition telepathy sort of, like, weird power thing, it fits perfectly in with this era. Oh, yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. of Spider-Man. Oh, of course. Spider-Woman has premonitions. She has all these weird powers. Spider-Man from this era like era does like all sorts of weird shit with his webs and all sorts of Mm -hmm. stuff. And then like even jumping into the future when we were watching, um, what were we watching? Doesn't, um, isn't there a version of like ghost spider that has, who am I thinking of Derek that also had premonitions? Is it ghost spider? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody else does. Oh, and you know what? I've been reading. Um, I was reading what the, the, um, God, the grim hunt. I've been reading grim hunt. Oh, and that features, I know I didn't even tell you I was doing that, but I was reading (laughs) grim hunt. And Julia Carpenter is in that. That's why I was reading it. And her powers are like psychic powers, too. There's like this whole slew of spider folk that have like either psychic or even sometimes like mystical powers. And I feel like they probably all originate from this like late 70s to like mid 80s era of spider people. Yeah. Because that's exactly when Julia Carpenter ends up into the in the picture. It's exactly when Jessica Drew ends up in the picture. <laughs> it's just yeah. so wild. Yeah, because you have, um, like, the narrator in this episode is like, he can see into the future and has premonitions. And I'm like, (laughs) since when? (laughs) Like, I know Spider-Sense is a thing, and and they talk about it in these two episodes, but I was like, this is wild. I didn't know Spider-Man could see the future. Spider-Sense is a very bizarre thing. I also remembered who it was. I told you to read... um... Renew Your Vows, it comes into mm-hmm. play in Renew Your Vows, Derek. Oh, okay. sort of like premonition version of of Spider-Sense. But yeah, yeah, really wild. I mean, the fact that they get into like the church and Jesus stuff, I'm not surprised that it's there from a tokusatsu end oh, of sure. things. Right. But it is weird to sort of see it in the way that it is featured in Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, Derek, not subtle. 
Well, yeah. I mean, which is, I wasn't expecting subtle. (laughs) So I'm here for it. Yeah. It's funny. It is funny. But you know, and you were, you you were also talking about like kind of comparing it to what was happening in Spider-Man at the time, but even like the shows that we've watched, the cartoons that we've watched, they don't even just do like all the wacky powers of Spider-Man. Like those shows also feature like alien invasions and giant robots and just like randomly introducing new characters and changing backstories (laughs) and stuff like this show is known to be like oh it's spider-man but it's so different and it's like it's not that different from not if you watch literally any other (laughs) spider-man property from the era (laughs) yeah they were all they were all this wacky this is you know this is obviously a different flavor of it and a different style of it and it's in live action and in japan but it's not that wildly different from that anything else that was being produced (laughs) at the time yeah I know we talked about uh, Garaya a little bit. Yeah. Because th- there's this, such a strong connection, like he's passing the baton of the Spider-Man powers and, and all of that. But I was confused by the end of the second episode because it's like the, the little spider was there and then it died. And Dude. I'm like, wait, <laughs> it, does that mean Garaya's dead? And I was like, I just got to keep watching more. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You know, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry now. And he's like, yeah, died in episode two. Yeah. And I'm like, this is horrible. So I thought yeah. he was going to be his little spider mentor the whole series. I Me was very, too. I was very disappointed about that. It is more realistic because if he just turned into a regular spider, it wouldn't live that long. But yeah. that spider is a really good actor. I was so <laughs> impressed by that spider's acting. It was impressive. Okay, one of my questions. Okay, first off, Zach, you were talking about your stream of consciousness yes. notes. One of mine is literally just like, oh, Garaya died. Uh, okay, I guess. Because um, I was not expecting that at all. Just like you, Eric, I was expecting him to be a spider mentor, like literally in spider form yeah. the whole time. It makes sense, like Derek said, but that felt like so toku right to be like mm-hmm. my mentor is a literal spider mm-hmm. but also like my no, big question dead. about the no. spiders is like <laughs> they obviously had this like gnarly fucking spider on a string and they were just sort of like the spider's talking now so let's jiggle the string yeah did they have like one spider and they were like we can't keep this thing alive garaya's gonna die or do they just have like a ton of fucking spiders on set that are all like just the gnarliest <laughs> spiders you've ever seen? I think they had a ton of spiders. I think that, yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, again, Ugh. my stream. I like spiders, but those things oh. were giant. My stream of consciousness notes for that was uh, I said, okay, Takuya, <laughs> not every spider is Garia. And then <laughs> it, it, it died, and he was like, Garia, Garia, Garia. And I'm like, or it was him, and he just fucking died too. Damn. <laughs> I was shocked. I was really shocked. Yeah. I have a question about the Garia situation because, yeah. and I just want your, none of us have, have watched forward. I don't think, or, or if I so, no. I would be curious when, the, when the, when I watched the first episode, he was like, okay, I'm going to save you with the blood of a spider or like something of the spider. Right. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Very Jessica drew of them. And then in the second episode, they were like, you have the blood of a spider person in you. And I was like, yes. oh, okay. So is this like, uh, like a, a former spider hero or is that just are they just saying that people from the planet called spider are spider person and then and I don't know maybe this is a spoiler I'm not sure <laughs> but I did watch the documentary uh, thing and in the documentary they say that it was Garia's blood and so I'm like what actually happened because there are certain things in the first episode and the second episode that I'm like are you like clarifying things or is this a mystery you're building? Like, I don't really know yeah. how this is supposed to work. Well, like, how much I wonder is, is a translation error too, you know, that's, like could be very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Because if if it if it's basically like a denonym for like a, an inhabitant of the planet Spider, and the way they translate it is just Spider Person, then yeah, it could just be a translation thing. But I really wonder, like, because his suit and we I, we can talk about his powers and stuff and how they work, but because his suit is already in this device that he uses to transform Mm -hmm. i'm doing air quotes because it's literally a suit it's very like flash keeping his suit in a ring type of thing Mm -hmm. um and because he has this equipment that garia already has is this like a superman situation where this is normal on spider on the planet spider but like super duper here or is this stuff that garia has because Garia was Spider-Man before. I mean, the bracelet literally says Spider-Man on it. <laughs> right. So how how I took it, at least from the backstory of the second episode, was that because he said that he was away while Dr. Monster was attacking his planet and he came back and that's the whole revenge thing. And he was already flying around in Leopardon or, or Marveler. So I'm wondering, I think... He was Planet Spider's Spider-Man. Okay, and maybe, I mean, like, they did say that the galaxy where Planet Spider is is, like, a totally different galaxy. I thought this was funny, by the way. I'm just going to throw this in here. Mm -hmm. It was, like, in the M77 quadrant of, like, the 17th (laughs) Milky Way, which is just the most, like, sci-fi nonsense bullshit I've ever heard. The 17th Milky Way? Okay. Um, Very galaxy-centric of us. The first 16 were crap, but the 17th one, that was the one. (laughs) They've got something going on over there. But I do wonder, like, yeah, that's a good point, Eric. Like, was he he basically prepping himself to be Spider-Man in order to confront Professor Monster and, you know, got trapped in this, this cave? Yeah. Um, for 400 years, he couldn't, like, get a rope? Or... That, okay, well, that... that that's, I have multiple questions about I that. I know, right? Okay, that's my question. Did he have the bracelet? Did he, did, did he, is this, like, did he that's build this bracelet I'm in like, a cave with a box of scraps? Like, yeah, what I was, was this? Like, did, did this guy, like, Tony Stark, the Spider-Man <laughs> brace? Like, what is this? Well, the, well, the other scraps. thing, too, is that he's from the planet Spider, has spider extract, and has a spy- Spider-Man powers and or suit, or was spider <laughs> Man or whatever, but he's like, I was trapped in a cave full of poisonous spiders, and I had yes! to withstand the poisonous spiders. And I'm like, wouldn't they be like your friends? I don't. So I don't. like, did he did he withstand them because he's from the planet Spider, or is that purely a coincidence? And he's just like superhuman. Like yeah, so many questions. Spider means none very of these questions words. matter like at all. Oh, but I have no. them. <laughs> yeah, it is also funny too, where they're just like, well, you know, he ages differently. So yeah, he was he was underground and kind of hibernating for four hundred years, but it was really only twenty years for him. And it's oh, like, oh, that is still, they, but that, that's a lot. That's they use lot. that so conveniently because sometimes they're like, but it was only twenty years to him. But then other times they're like four hundred years. I was like, the relative time that you are using here is you're you're going wild here. Like, yeah. just let it be what it is. <laughs> Speaking of the four hundred years thing, yeah, I was actually impressed that they're like, yes, the, the Professor Monster landed in the whatever period of Japan when all these clans were feuding. I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting a history lesson too. This is great, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. I wonder, do you think any of that was like residual from their original sort of plan or anything like that? that? Obviously, maybe not like in production, but I wonder if there was somebody who was like, you know, we kind of wanted to do like a mildly historic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's insert some of that in here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was cool that they took the time to like get extras for that. And 
and depict part of the time period that he was lost in. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. 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 I, I dug that. That was very cool. And I love the, the, um, they do like a time lapse montage type thing with like significant global events mm-hmm. yes. when they tell that. And I thought that was super cool. Even the moon landing, I'm like, this yeah. is wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause that literally just happened a decade before this, uh, this show aired. Yeah. Bandora wasn't there yet. <laughs> stupid Doug. That was stupid Doug. Uh, I love you, Doug. <laughs> Thanks. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Katie, Joe, Mike, Flux, Eric, Carl, and Lillian. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like peeks behind the curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Uh, powers why what did you guys think of, like, his powers are pretty straightforward. Like, he, for the most part just has Peter Parker-like powers. Mm -hmm. They don't get, like, super duper into it because he also has this suit that, like, has an official name. And, like, it it does appear that, like the comics Peter Parker, Takia has not organic webbing. He has webbing that comes from his little bracelet. It Uh, looks like a rope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is many different kinds of rope. I really appreciated that. That was cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But what did you all think of, like, the way they did the powers? I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, how much they managed to accomplish in this show that was made, you know, 40 years ago on like barely a budget. Yeah, like I'm I'm here for the campy tokusatsu 70s effects. Uh, I think the jump cuts work to their favor, especially in the quote unquote transformation, which he still has to zip up his suit. And then he was surprised (laughs) that it was on him, which was weird. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I love the spider protector. I think the suit looks great. The bracelet is signature to Japanese Spider-Man. So it's it's very cool to see that. I thought it was wild that during one of the fights that it was like two minutes of him crawling around these pipes to get back to the enemies to kick their butt. <laughs> that was a little strange. I was actually really impressed with the outdoor shots where it looked like a real guy was climbing on a real building. Oh, so yeah, Eric, that was a real guy climbing on a real building. I know. Like, but like, like, you, you gotta watch the documentary because the shit they put that guy through is jaw dropping. 
And he's like so proud of it, and he should be because it it's is incredible. Amazing. But like the shit they did, you, like they would shut that shit down so mm-hmm. fast now. Oh like I was God. like, how is this guy not dead? Like I during the it. opening when you see him climbing on the Tokyo Tower for like that half a second shot, that yeah. was done completely without wires, without backup, without anything. Oh he God! Yeah, if he fell, yeah, he was if, he, if he fell, he would have died. The the stunt Wild. actor tells the stories of like, yeah, so I'm up there, you know, 50 feet up in the air, no ropes, and you're just like, what the fuck? No, why? <laughs> Coolest I'm, guy yep. in the universe. I'm watching you. Have to. It was so good, dude. So good. Honestly, so good. my favorite part of it, aside from just like the total wholesomeness of the actors being so proud of mm-hmm. what they did, like 40 years later. Honestly, just what the suit actor and stunt guy did to pull these these moves off and like this Spider Man effects out of this world like i i yeah. it's honestly i wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the major contributing factors to stan lee being like yes yes this yeah. is this is amazing because they talk in that documentary about how the the spider-man movie from just however many years earlier kind of was trash you know yeah and i think a big part of it is like not being able to figure out the stunts but folks in japan were making shows that were doing yeah. these stunts and they kind of said like we saw spider-man we saw what he was supposed to be doing and we figured yeah. it out you know like, yeah. What I love most about him, I think, is that they put so much effort into just like the poses. You know, the stunts obviously are a big deal. Oh, but oh totally. Just the poses that he does and just the way that he moves his body is like so. Like a spider. Yeah. yeah. And it's so particular and looks so alien, but in a way that I think fits the, the comics iteration better than like even live action adaptations now, you know, like I feel like there's always kind of a care into making them look still look pretty human, even when doing the cool Spider-Man poses. And this one, it's just like, no, he's going to look like a, a freaky spider alien. man. Like why not? <laughs> and I think it looks better. You know what I think it is? I think like, obviously, okay. If you're, if you're here for Spider-Man and you're like, maybe I'll give this a shot, but you've never watched Tokusatsu before. Just be prepared for everything to be a practical effect from the late seventies. Right. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It is amazing what they pull off, but it doesn't hold a candle to what you just watched. Like last year with like the wild CGI shit that they do. Okay. And that's fine. But the shit they do is so incredible. And I think, Derek, you're onto something in that there are these like sort of Spider-Man iconic poses that they make sure every movie now has, Mm -hmm. but they really ignore all the weird, creepy, crawly shit that the comics still do, where it's like bodies shouldn't move that way, except Mm -hmm. they do, and this guy freaking did it. And so there's like... One of my, another one of my favorite lines, everything about that documentary is my favorite, clearly, um, as I keep saying this. But one of my favorite lines from the documentary was was the guy saying, like, it doesn't need to look cool, just match the spider poses. And what's funny is it ends up looking cool because they really had, like, no, they gave no fucks about whether it looked cool. They were just like, that's what Spider-Man looks like. Get on the fucking ground and do it. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's so good. It looks so good. It really does. And that's one of the things I noticed particularly in i forget if it was i think it was the second episode where his brother and sister are like going to his room (laughs) and he tries on the suit for the first time and on the ceiling he's like twitching in this spider way and that impressed me because i was like i've never seen live action spider-man move like that like it looked like a spider because they will typically either 
use a computer to do it or they will just be sort of like um, yeah. still. Like they'll just be stationary. So yeah. the fact that they went out of their way to make sure that you could see that he's moving up there and this isn't a trick is so admirable. It's yep. so mm-hmm. cool. It reminds me of like the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the shit they pulled off in that movie where I'm like, how did you do <laughs> that? You know what I mean? That's what this show evokes in me. Yep. And it's also another Spider-Man staple where he's hiding from his family on a very low ceiling and <laughs> yep. they somehow don't yep. see him. Yep. I was like, he's right there. Like, just look up. Like, <laughs> just look he, up. Even in the doorway, like even coming into the doorway, yep. you're, you're, your what you call it your vision your yeah just uh, like in your peripherals like you'll notice yeah your peripheral vision like he's right there (laughs) you know literally when they did that i was like you know what this is so ridiculous and i literally got up and like walked into my own room and i was like i'm only gonna look forward what can i see in my frame i you know i love love (laughs) love that into the spider-verse actually was like this is not gonna work (laughs) (laughs) and genki all he literally does is just turn around and genki's like what the fuck? Yep. Right? It's like, no, Raimi Spider-Man, he's like literally bleeding on them. And they're just like, <laughs> Peter's gone. Where did he go? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, oh, you know what we haven't talked about? The fact that Takuya has like, I mean, aside from his father dying in the first episode, mm-hmm. like he has a, a, a big family compared to what you would expect from Peter Parker, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Right. Peter Parker, typically, it's like him and Aunt May, and they're, like, struggling. But Takia, I mean, he loses his father, and we don't really know anything yet about his mom, and I wonder if we will. Toku can be like that, too. But he has <laughs> two siblings that he lives with, and he has mm-hmm. a girlfriend who, by the way, I had no idea was his girlfriend until I looked it up and yep, was like, same. oh, that's who that's supposed to be? Yeah, same, same but you could kind of <laughs> get, like, the playful vibes from them these first two episodes. Like, she's just bursting into his room and like, come on, sleepyhead, we gotta go. And, Speaking of that, like, oh, hang on, I have notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said... Takuya just wants to sleep, and honestly, same. I think I relate more to Takuya than Peter at this point. Also, waking (laughs) up your boyfriend because you need a ride? Didn't you have your own car last episode? And on top of that, you're going (laughs) to criticize his driving and open the wound of his dead father. The audacity of this bitch. Takuya, you could do so much better. (laughs) But you know the thought I had Uh. about her? Because she is a freelance photographer, yep. I instantly I thought that. Peter Parker. Same. I was like, there's some connection there. I do love that they, they have a freelance photographer character, and it's somebody connected yeah. to Takuya. Yep. Yeah, no. I think she rules. I mean, I didn't like her opening up that wound. That was weird. Like, yeah, you yeah, give yeah. me a ride? It's, hey, you know your dad died? How do you, like, are you <laughs> mad? What's going on with that? How like, are you so calm about your dad dying? Like, shouldn't you be mad or upset? And it's just like, this bitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird? I, okay, so I had the exact same thought, but I think, I think as I keep watching it, knowing how the actress described the character, I think mm. I kind of get it. I think she's supposed to be sort of awkward socially and not necessarily... Mm. Like, I think she's a character who puts her foot in her mouth, and I imagine that that will, like, create moments in the series. Yeah. But we see so little of her in these first two as yeah. far as, like, actual yeah. character stuff Yeah. Um, that I was totally rubbed the wrong way. I was right there with you, Zach. I was like, excuse <laughs> me? 
<laughs> like, yeah. you're on a motorcycle yeah. with him. Like, I'm sure that as the series goes on, you know, we, we warm up to her and, and she's vital to the totally. story and everything. But just like this second episode where she's just like, hey, wake up, stop being lazy. I need a ride. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> my, my dad died three days ago. Yeah. But what else? You know? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was especially confusing to me not knowing that she was supposed to be his girlfriend because she walks mm-hmm. into the room and just like rips his like yeah. bedding off and I was like wow like okay like I thought she was his other sister I thought he was just his two sisters and his brother yeah I initially <laughs> thought he had two sisters so I thought it was like a little bit weird but also kind of would have made sense sure. but then I also thought like maybe they just kind of like are friends in which case it's a yeah. little bit weirder <laughs> like, I could yeah, I could not figure it out and 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 I'm glad that it was meant to be that way like I'm glad that I'm confused on purpose a little bit but I was very confused as to who she yeah. was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am excited getting the sense that she's like a go-getter journalist type of person who like yeah. wants to get pictures of Spider-Man now. And yep. I'm very excited to see where that goes because that's a nice avenue. I love that kind of Lois Lane dynamic because you can she can still, you know, get in danger and be kind of the damsel in distress. But it's a little more relevant because she's putting mm-hmm. herself in danger usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Kind of like what happens in, in, in the second episode. Yeah. So I, I dig that. I And I kind of liked her not to just like compare the two girls in the show, but I still liked her, I think, a little better than to, Takia's sister, who I, I feel like was just really boring. Like I didn't really get a sense from who, who she mm-hmm. is at all yet. Based solely on the first two episodes, meaning I could be totally wrong, but I feel like his sister is meant to be a mom figure without having a mom there. Yeah. Right. And I'm worried that all she's going to do is sort of, like, chastise him and sort of, like, push him to be, like, more or better, not knowing that he is Spider-Man, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Which can be a fun dynamic, but it sucks for her, like, as a character yeah. to just be like, I'm your naggy sister, yep. you know? I do like that they do the another Peter, nice Peter Parker connection is that him being Spider-Man kind of ruins his life in the eyes of his family. Like they're like, where did you run away? What are you doing? Are you a coward? Which is a total fundamental Peter Parker thing. Oh my gosh. Another thing, Zach, (laughs) when, when his girlfriend, while he's like four feet away on the couch, says to his sister, your brother was terrible. Uh-huh. I was like, oh my uh, gosh. Uh, I have that note somewhere too. Um, no grace. No social grace. Like, uh, whatsoever. Hang on, where's... <laughs> Which is fair. I Like, if that's how she's always going to be, I'll get used to it. But at the time, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, like, like, he's literally yep. right there. And again, just lost his dad like three days ago. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, so the note on that is, I said, uh, Takuya <laughs> makes them think he ran away and they think him a coward for it. Honestly, this is kind of more like a Clark Kent thing to do, but I dig it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is very like, you know, uh, secret, secret identity type thing to do. What I think is funny about the way they handle it here is that in the moment, Takuya does say like, no, you need to get out of here and run. He like volunteers that he Mm -hmm. didn't do anything like he could have if he wanted to have made up literally any other story. But he sort of sets himself up as like, I don't like violence. I'm a pacifist, which is not going to help him in future situations like this, which I think they will, I I get the sense that this series will capitalize on because they have one of them going so early, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think they've set it up that that sort of Peter Parker dynamic is going to happen all the time. And he really, really just set himself up for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's no one's fault, but his own. Yeah. He could have, he could have said anything, (laughs) which again, a very Peter Parker thing to do. Oh, totally. 
Yeah, I, I do think this show has a lot more in common with Spider-Man than they want to admit that it does. Yeah. Definitely. I was actually excited for the preview of the third episode when they're already introducing like a fake Spider-Man like or someone's out there trying to tarnish his name. I'm like also very Spider-Man. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> like he also hasn't done anything really in these <laughs> past two episodes to be public facing. Yeah. yeah. That's uh I I can't wait to see what things they did actually sort of pull from Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Because I think they're not giving the folks who made this enough credit because they 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 want it to be so separate. But I, I have to imagine that the folks who are making this and they even allude to this a little bit in the documentary were like keenly aware of who Spider-Man was and what he was supposed to be and that they were right. simply adapting it to a different sort of genre ish and not losing Spider-Man, you know, like yeah. I, so I'm excited to see what what very stereotypical Peter Parker situations he gets himself into like having an imposter Spider-Man or somebody framing him for something. Yeah. And not having seen the documentary, like I didn't, I didn't know that behind the scenes. So watching these first two episodes, I was actually surprised how many Peter Parker, Mm Spider-Man classic connections there are just like, you know, photographer girlfriend or getting into these situations. And even his powers, I know we were talking a little bit about that before, but yeah, I remember, or I don't remember, but I've seen, like, 70s Spider-Man cartoons. Like, there were some amazing, like, different web effects that, mm-hmm. that he was doing in this episode, or in these two episodes. I'm like, this is cool. Like, yeah, Spider-Man could, should just make nets and block doorways <laughs> and, you know, have these big, thick ropes that he can swing from. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I also, I know we we already talked a little bit about like stunts and stuff, but I Mm -hmm. do think a thing that I really liked, and I'm assuming this is probably how any Toku stuff around this time Mm -hmm. is done, but I like that the way that they use cross-cutting in fight sequences, they essentially like use the inability to make like fluid, streamlined, like fight choreography instead just sort of like doing you know a few things and then kind of stitching them together and it ends up becoming like fights or just montages which i think is really clever to do because you still get the same effect that you would from a more streamlined fight if you were following the character throughout all the geography and you know so it's a little it's a little more off-putting because they're jumping around places but like you still get the same effect of like cool action and hero doing cool stuff and kicking people in cool ways like it still works but you know what it feels like to me? And I don't know if this was the goal or not, but coupled with the specific music that they play during the fights and the mm. specific sound effects they choose, it makes these fights feel like an old school comic yeah. book where it's like, this is a Ooh. panel and this yeah. is a panel and this is a panel where you don't necessarily have to have like a really tight geography because what you're focusing on is I'm throwing this villain, I'm punching this villain, I'm kicking this villain. And I'm sure a lot of that was out of necessity, but it really works for sort of like a, a panel cut type of vibe. I love that. Also the vibe I got, and I don't know if the producers of this show did that intentionally, but at this point in history, the Batman 60s series would have already aired. Oh, totally. And there's definitely that kind of feeling with, like, the jump cut fights, just without the bam, pow, whatever. 
Yeah, they use. I I would love to, and maybe I will go back and watch some of the the pre Spider Man Sentai stuff to see what types of sound effects they're using. But it without having a reference, it really did feel like they were trying to do more comic-y sounding mm-hmm. sound effects, like you would see in Batman. And I I you know even the music that plays when he's riding around in his um, Spider Machine GP Seven, which is maybe one of my favorite things about this whole show. Um, it even kind of sounds like Batman music a little bit. Like you kind of get that din in and in and in it, but not quite exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like you can tell that there are certain comic-y vibes that, that I think they're trying to go for. Like it can't be a mistake. Well, hey, I mean, D- Toei is no stranger to reusing music. I think in some <laughs> early Sentai, you can hear the Imperial Death March from oh, Star gosh. Wars. Yeah, no way. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you're going to steal it. music, steal good music, right? <laughs> oh, that's so genius. I love GP7. I want I want to know what you guys think of like all these this equipment he has cuz I I was here for oh, it yeah. watching GP7 <sighs> like fly around that monster. Mm-hmm. Love yeah, it so much. That car is Hell amazing. Yeah. Like I want one so bad. <laughs> well, as <laughs> right? as of recently as like the past couple years, that car was a Hot Wheels exclusive at San Diego oh Comic-Con. Oh my god. Amazing. Oh. And it went for a lot like on oh, the I'm aftermarket. Sure. Yeah. Damn. But it's it's cool. It's a freaking cool car. It's it's like the Batmobile but for Spider-Man. Yeah. And Spider-Man typically is not known to drive around. No. He had a buggy for a while. <laughs> it wasn't as cool as this. <laughs> no. This is way cooler than anything he's ever had. You know, if Into the Spider-Verse is smart, they will feature heavily oh, please. Takuya's arsenal because mm-hmm. those toys will be so cool. And that's literally what this stuff was made to do, was yep. to become a toy. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping they do it. I mean, guaranteed, if he's in Into the Spider-Verse 2, like they say, we're going to get a new Leopardo, uh, right? Like, we're going to get an American... No, Leopardin. I don't want it to be a new one. I want it to be just <laughs> Leopardin. And they've done that they've done that in the comic books. Like when I think there was a big crossover and Leopardin just shows up. Oh yeah, no, I, I totally feel you. Like I don't mean like a new version of it oh, like they okay. did with the spider robot. I mean we might get that. I think that's something we probably should be prepared for just in case, based on sure. like the Penny and, and, and Penny's robot, but I feel like those guys will appreciate what this show is mm-hmm. and Leopardon won't be too different. I just mean like a new Leopardon toy that we will just be able yeah. to like oh, go yeah. to Target oh. and buy. The only God, thing I, I could see them changing might be the mouth because I've never been able to understand what's going on with that mouth. Because it looks like a weird spiky mechanical asshole. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wasn't going to be the one to say it, but Yep. <laughs> Well, it, it's kind of funny because I think out of, you know, all the elements that aren't spider-like on Leopardon, kind of a bug-like mandible in the mouth hmm. was probably the only spider-like thing on that robot, ex- aside from the web things here and there. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is such a weird choice. I think you're right, Derek. They'll probably change that. But I think you're also right, Eric, in that it is the only bug-like thing. So they can yeah. make it more. They can make more pronounced mandibles, I think, and I yeah. think it would get the same effect without sure butthole face. Yeah, <laughs> I do think so. I think you know if if they do end up adapting it as opposed to just pulling it straight from mm-hmm. the source material, I do think 
they'll either go the direction of, and this is like outside of the show we're talking about, but I'm just thinking sure. about it. Either they will keep it completely as is, and they will play on the humor of the absurdity of this show. Of the 70s, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. which I could very much see those guys doing, because I feel like that is their vibe. Or mm-hmm. it'll be a more spider-like uh, Leah Pardon. Not spider-like in shape, but they might downplay the sort of like sphinx aspect of it. But I think the humor's right there, and I don't think they oh, could yeah. ignore it. yeah. How cool would it be if they acknowledge that history of the past 40 years, but it's like an updated, like, you know, he's still uh, Takuya, but like the modern Takuya, you know what I mean? Yeah, they could, they could do one of two things. They could do like a modern Takuya who is transported from Japan and just be like, oh, mm-hmm. you okay, cool. Or they could do like, a instead of him being from just another dimension being totally straight out of the seventies, which I could see them also playing. Yeah. 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 Especially if he ends up meeting 2099, which is very, very likely in the next movie. I'm so excited for that movie. I know (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be so good. (sighs) And we need to talk, if we're going to talk about spider machine, GP seven, we have to talk about the marveler. What a cool spaceship. Yeah. I love that it's called the Marveler. That's such a cool yes. name. I love Me it. Me too. And even even when Garaya's like calling out, Marveler, go back to space. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. He's <laughs> like, either that's the best voice command or somehow Marveler is maybe sentient or Seems like you know, it. has an AI. I think Marveler uh, it's is gotta sentient. Be. That's my. Yeah, they don't address it specifically like it. in these two episodes, but I would right. be shocked if moving forward we don't learn that it is sentient. Well, and the way that Takia like commands it isn't with like you know any sort of wheel or like joysticks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. he just make he just yells stuff like mm-hmm. that's that's about it <laughs> and yeah. makes some hand movements. So I think it's just listening to him. I think so, too. And I'll fully admit that even though I have, like, the nice Spider-Verse collection, I still haven't read it. But I bet you in that comic that's sort of the implication as well. Mm-hmm. It's probably presented as more like a spirit bond type thing than it is like, I pilot a robot. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Th- that's another thing I like about these first two episodes You know, usually with Peter Parker and Spider-Man, there's always been like this science-based type of way we've gone about Spider-Man. And here, it's so much more mystical, and (laughs) there's spirits talking with each other, but it's also got that sci-fi element. It's it's this amazing combination of of spiritual and and mystical with the cool spaceships and, and technology. Yeah. And... That's why I'm kind of sad that Garaya died in episode two, because I was looking forward to him, like, powwowing with his spiritual spider (laughs) mentor. Uh, (laughs) I have no idea where this show is going, but I want more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, big same. I, I, you know, one of the things I really like, even if it's not necessarily... Like I don't, I don't know I don't know necessarily what I prefer and I, I guess I don't need to prefer either thing but one thing that I think is very cool about the the long history that is the Sp- Spider-Man and Spider-People and and what turns into the the Spider-Verse and stuff is that there is this sort of two sides of almost like belief or I guess mm-hmm. just straight up belief about Spider-People and like some Spider-People subscribe to basically like 
essentially like a religion that says like spiders are chosen and it is all fate. And then there are other ones who were like, no, this was totally chance. And I, I love the fact that that exists. And I, I love that this show kind of inadvertently, because I don't think it really got into any of that stuff yet. Someone will correct me, but I love (laughs) that this show kind of like treads a little bit in that area because Garia says like only one person in the universe could have received my telepathic signals. And it was you. You were clearly chosen. We don't know if that's necessarily true. It could have been totally coincidence. It could totally be Garia. Like, yeah. yeah, we don't know. Like, you know, like there's like a scientific side of things, like you were saying, Eric, and a mystical side of things. And we also don't know if he was ever if he was planning to give Takia the Spider-Man powers or if he really only did it to save his life. Either, yeah, I think, so. I think that's mm. what complicates it. You know, like, well, was he actually chosen or did he just happen to be this sick dude that fell into your lap? I don't know. But I like that it. it it treads that line that some comics actually do very much on purpose. I lean more toward the idea of that it was predetermined because, I mean, even before he fell in the hole, he was getting those psychic messages as early as, like, the first five minutes of episode one where he's like, what What is this? What am I hearing? Like, And I have that in my note, too. I said, um, if I was being contacted telepathically by a creepy spider, I would probably seek medical help (laughs) Not run out into the night trying to find it. <laughs> He's like, yeah. who are you? <laughs> that's that's so like Japanese tokusatsu. Yeah. It's like the overdramatic, what's going on? And it, it, it was kind of powerful, but man, I felt like I was in a fever dream with those first five minutes of this. Yeah. It, everything was happening so fast. I almost just want to watch it again, knowing what I know now. But even I think the first words are, brother, can you hear me? And it's like, what? What is happening? Who are you? Are you a spider? (laughs) I do love the effect. And I I feel like this might surprise Derek. I love the effect of like the spider web in the sky with like the spider in there that clearly only he can see. Yeah. Yeah, I actually really like it in this okay. circumstance because it's very much meant to be in universe. You know what okay. I mean? Like it's not for us as the audience. The spider only that you can see. I don't know, but remember, his sister briefly saw that spider on the table, and her brother did not see it. So what's that connection? Spider Woman. I'm positive that that doesn't happen, but I would be so beautiful. <laughs> Don't shoot down our dreams. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that, you know, yeah. she freaks out about the spider and her brother didn't see it clearly on the table. It was, yeah. I don't know if that was the whole psychic connection thing or, or what, but that was kind of cool. vanished. I don't, yeah. It's also weird because she's like, I'm seeing so many more spiders recently. And I'm like, so is Garia in the spider's body just like hanging out in their house where he can very easily get squashed. Like you should be smarter than that dude. Don't just like walk on their kitchen table. Can you imagine if that's what actually happened? Like Garia doesn't just die naturally, but he gets like killed (laughs) by his sister. That would be just whacked with a roll. (laughs) That would be so awful. Oh, (laughs) but I'm wondering if Garia was inhabiting different spiders. That would be cool. That would would be be like a cool twist. Or if somehow, you know, Takuya, because he's Spider-Man now and has spider blood or whatever is somehow attracting spiders. Hey, there are, there are spider <laughs> yep. folk 
who uh, have a, te- a telepathic connection with spiders. Also, yeah. there's a spider folk who's literally just a bunch of spiders yep. in a suit. So, uh, yep. you know, maybe gross. that person is just manifesting here in, in Spider-Man. The, the, listen, the less said about spiders, man, the better. <laughs> that's that's the imposter next episode oh. is spiders man <laughs> <laughs> love it oh god now my expectations are too high i want it oh no i've ruined the whole show <laughs> i i really i really can't wait to dive yeah, into more of this like these first two episodes i'm just so intrigued and curious about where this all goes it's yeah so- So this is a little weird because like, you know, well, first off, I guess, like, since I know everybody was sort of taking stream of consciousness notes, like what's left hanging out there? Like what? Villains. I feel like there's probably stuff. Yes. Villains. Villains. So, okay. I have a question for you. Did literally any of you know the name of Professor Monster's general without looking it up? Nope. I believe I called her attractive female general. Yep. That's what I called her. Well, yes, she is very beautiful and yeah. still beautiful, by the way. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, she's in that documentary? Yeah, she, yep, she's in that documentary. Thing. Or wait, no, she's not. I think it's his girlfriend, actually. All the women in this show are very attractive. Which, you know, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Toei's going to hire a yeah. bunch of models. Like, let's be real. <laughs> but apparently she's called Amazoness. Amazoness. Yeah, Amazoness. Yeah. And I know that she is eventually called that in the show, but it is wild that no one calls her by name yeah. in the first two episodes and, of the show. Okay, can we talk about her weird Wonder Woman type transformation to just like <laughs> blink into her secret identity within an instant? That was incredible. By the way, how does she suddenly become the editor in chief of a newspaper and like or was Takiya's she sister is like, oh, hey, editor. And it's like, how, how long have you been yeah. implanted there in this job? <laughs> I think it's a while because I think that their secret underground base must be connected to that building. She just literally walks be. out a door. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. She presses an on button for some reason. And the <laughs> other side of the door is. Uh, it's been 400 years. Here's the on button. <laughs> I think she's so cool, and I'm so excited oh, God, for yeah. more of her because she is so awesome. I think she's, I think she's way cooler than <laughs> Professor Monster. Oh, to 100%. be honest, was, was it just me or was she whipping the minions that yep. failed to Yo, beat Spider Man? Yes, yep. she literally had a whip. <laughs> she is a dominatrix icon, 100%. Yes. I'm so excited to see more from her. Yes, she's so awesome, and I love her like non-blinking stare she's so like, good she just it's intense stares <laughs> and it's like this like really like angry like alien stare like it's i don't know what she's doing but whatever it is it works like she just looks so i don't know that's just like the intensity of it it's so good intense is the only word like it is yeah. just so it bores through your soul yeah and th- there was one shot where her and Professor Monster were just like eye to eye. And it was the most intense thing. I was like, <laughs> I'm getting a little uncomfortable here. Like, <laughs> oh, She's so cool. She's so cool. I love her. I'm so, I know that she does more from what I've seen of people talking about this show. I know she gets like significant stuff to do as it goes oh, along. Awesome. So good. I'm good. So excited. Cause yeah, I agree. Professor Monster. I dig his like cybernetic mm-hmm. stuff. Like he's the Borg. He's the Borg. Yeah. It just, totally he's is. got the big yeah. eyepiece. He's the Borg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But so, you know, I dig that. But yeah, he is kind of boring. I will say, though, another Peter Parker connection. Most, if not all of Peter Parker's villains always come from, like, science creating yeah. monsters. Mm. And he is mm-hmm. Professor Monster. Yeah. yeah. Mic drop. 
he's been working on his machine bem for 400 years <laughs> machine bem i was like what's this bem i don't know i don't know i don't know i'm sure there's a i'm sure there's background and i just didn't find it <laughs> yeah also the the grunts are called ninders they're so weird. Look, I think they're they, so off-putting. I literally, I called them duck men because I was like, they they have gray bodysuits and orange bills. <laughs> These are duck men to me for now until I learn what they're really called. I don't know if this will land with any of you, but it'll land with somebody. They look like nose pass, but with human bodies. Like if you took a nose pass, the Pokemon, and just put an actual man body yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah Doesn't it that. look like that? Yeah, I can see that. It's like their whole face is just that. I, I had to look up Nosepass to see, like, is this a reference I'm not getting? No, total coincidence. Hmm. Speaking of so references weird. that no one would get, the monster of the week for the second episode, the flying brain that like has a that Love. has a body like, <laughs> that he kind of docks into. Yeah, I think that body is literally just a knockoff version of the Metaluna mutant from this island Earth, because they're the exact same face. Like I I, Ooh, I looked no at that and I was like, that seems really <laughs> familiar. Oh, I know. He looks like the mutant. What's that movie? What's that movie called? And I was like, oh, wait, this island Earth. And I looked it up and I was like, yeah, they're, they're the same. Big exposed brains, round eyes, weird <laughs> mouths, uh, like claw hooks for Whoa. hands. This is just the same monster. So. Hey, it wouldn't be the first time that they uh, borrowed yeah. something like that. <laughs> sure. Sure. Right? <laughs> totally. I love that floating brain so much. It's so creepy and gross. It's so, so gross. weird. <laughs> oh, I was kind of hoping that it, like, when it got bigger, it would still just be like this weird big floating <laughs> brain. Like that's that was my hope for the episode. I love the uh, I love the first monster, the dinosaur dude who has a little weird. I don't know what's around his head or why it's like this little. <laughs> cloak thing he has but it's cool oh that was so cool when uh he was fighting him in leopardin and he's got like this medieval helmet shell yeah yeah came out of nowhere that was so weird i liked when he was big and takuya shot his rope at him thinking he was gonna try and pull him down to knock him over and the monster just goes what is this (laughs) and he throws him into the side of a mountain dude and they cut him and cut to like a an yeah. action figure being thrown into the into the mountain. It's great. Beautiful. I have never loved like an obvious action figure sequence more than that. I yes. was like, so that's brutal, and that's how it would be. <laughs> uh-huh. It's so funny. I love it. Fantastic. Uh, I love that Leah Parton has his own spider string that comes out of his chest yeah. with like a grapple hook. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think we see that until the second episode, but I thought that was yeah, dope. that was second episode for sure. I do like his so like okay, he has the 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 crown boomerang called the arc turn, which like that looks like it yeah. would hurt on its own. Uh, but then you have sword vigor, <laughs> which he throws and Dude. lands in the monster, which then turns him into ash and makes him explode. Like <laughs> there's no kill. Hey, there's there's no kill. Like there's no kill. Like love to see it. It's just. OP Mecha is OP, and I'm here for it. They killed his dad, man. Get his revenge. Exactly. They could have gone the Ultraman route and just literally sliced the monster in half with, like, guts showing at all. (laughs) (laughs) The arc turn is kind of like a little, like, uh, Ultraman Mm. crest vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I love the the sword vigor throw. I think it's so cool, which is good because I'm about to see it, like, uh, two dozen (laughs) times. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait oh, to yeah. see more of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about the suit, and I don't think we need to talk about it a whole lot because it's very, very sure. much a Spider-Man suit. But I do – I mean, the thing that I think everybody obviously recognizes is, like, the shape of his eyes are obviously very distinct, mm-hmm. um, and he has the spider bracelet. But one thing I didn't realize, because I've only ever seen this suit in, like, comics or just in, like, thumbnails from this show, mm-hmm. is th- his eyes are, like, glittery, mm-hmm. like, very yeah. glittery, which is, like, very glamorous and beautiful. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm very into it. <laughs> I love that they're kind of asymmetrical, too. Like at least They the are. They kind of have an face. expression all on their own. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, there's there's definitely kind of like that that early Sentai Tokusatsu vibe mm-hmm. because the eyes are are so powerful and and usually in these suits we we just see a visor or something yep. like that and especially in Go Ranger the first Super Sentai they have those big giant bug oh, type eyes so I think adding glitter adding that type of embellishment to this suit really makes it pop and when they do the close-ups it's just really awesome to look at dude when they do the close-up with like the space and the stars in the background i was like i just want that whatever that is i want it for myself yeah that whole vibe Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love the whole aesthetic of this show i think like all the just aside from it being like just general 70s but also like all the use of space and space aesthetic and like night sky and stars and like rotoscoped webs in the background. Like it's great. <laughs> it's just so cool. It's yeah. like much more my vibe than I ever expected it to be. And I'm so into it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I didn't have exact expectations, but I, I can say that I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Even though it was a fucking, like somebody said, fever dream of, of a couple of episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the thing that's so great about it is that even if you're sort of just like dubiously interested in it, but curious about it, it's so fast paced that it's not going to be boring, which yeah. I don't think oh. you can say the same for a lot of not necessarily toku stuff, but like just stuff from the 70s. If you're mm-hmm. not really into to sort of that era of filmmaking, the pace was generally slower, but it is not slow in this show. <laughs> Lots of stuff's always happening real quickly. So No, they they throw you right into it and, you know, I'm I watched this today during my uh lunch break and I'm glad I was fully there and present and watching this because it's literally blink or you miss it. You'll yeah. miss a detail. Yeah. Yeah. I do think like as far as, because this is sort of crossover content. I mean, that's why we brought on folks from Ranger Command, right? Because it has a crossover vibe between Spider-Man, what we do on the 4-Eyed Radio Network, and Tokusatsu, what you all do on, mm-hmm. on the 4-Eyed Radio Network. So I do think like if you are here because it's Toku, I think you will appreciate it, even if it's not specifically your vibe, because I expect you will already be familiar with this style of show i think if you are here specifically for the spider-man thing like know that you are getting into something very different than anything else spider-man unless you are very familiar with the late 70s early 80s stuff then you might be a bit more familiar it might be different than anything you have ever seen before oh, in your entire life yeah. so oh yeah <laughs> yes i imagine like you know, we all we all sort of grew up with the 90s show and the Raimi movies and stuff. And if that's sort of where your origin story is and you never really looked backwards, yeah, this is going to be a, a real shocker for you. Yep. It's fun, though. <laughs> I'm so excited to see more of these monsters that they make because they all look like they're probably very grotesque 
and I'm so here for that. Dude, <laughs> I so much – this is a purely Toku thing. I am so much – more into old Toku Monster vibes yes. than new Toku Monster vibes. Like there are some exceptions. Like Tokuger has incredible fucking designs, but that's more of an aesthetic. But like if you go back to like early Heisei era stuff, like they're just literally monsters. Like all of all of Kuga's monsters are just mm-hmm. straight up actual monsters. They're mm-hmm. not like weird grotesque like not even grotesque. They're not weird, like bubbly rubber suits, which sometimes look really cool. Mm-hmm. They're just literally like, here is a werewolf, here is a vampire, yep. here is a lizard man. Like, and love I love it. that. And this love has it. a little bit more that vibe than like current vibe. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <sighs> this is wild. This is it's so I, weird. I haven't had this much fun watching a, a, a Toku in a while, and. It really makes me want to go back and definitely watch some of the early, earlier 70s tokusatsu more than I, you know, already have in the past. But my God, like just Japanese Spider-Man. I I don't know why I waited so long to watch this. And I'm so thankful that you guys have brought us on to this show to watch it because... I yeah, I want to like fire it up and just and keep diving into this story because I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect. These two episodes have been such a wild ride and I'm just like, "Whoa, if it's this crazy throughout the entire show, I'm going to have so much fun with this." Yeah. I I'm glad that you liked it because you know we always toyed with the idea of doing something with this show and I think mm-hmm. we kind of knew that if we did this was a natural sort of like guest spot so I'm glad that we didn't like bring you on here to watch something that was like an absolute <laughs> turd pile. <laughs> well, hey, you guys have good taste in, in Spider Men and women, so I I I, I, yeah. I knew this would be good. <laughs> You'll have any 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 other spare fleeting or final thoughts about this wonderful show. <laughs> I I really appreciated all of the location shoots and especially I laughed when they did he was at night and they did the typical hey we filmed this in the in the day but turned <laughs> the, day the night, night shot, filter yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, because they always did that in early TV, yeah. Uh-huh. You literally use that shot like in the episode before it and it's yeah. like, "Oh, okay, just All right. <laughs> now it's blue." Oh, uh, is this the building yep. shot? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Mm-hmm. We're going to see that every episode, I promise. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, thank God, because that guy, like, risked his life, yeah. apparently, so. Yeah. Knowing that, I can appreciate that they didn't refilm that over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> the one shot that blew my mind from the documentary is where they where they had him, like, walking on the side of a building, but, like, along the roof, and basically said, like, yeah, he was just attached to a single rope. So he's basically being oh, held there with, like, God. tension only, and if that rope slipped or if somebody let go or whatever, like, he would have just fallen off the side of a bill. Like, it's just wild. <sighs> Everybody needs to go watch that. Like, even if you don't watch this show, go watch that episode because mm-hmm. it's just, it's mind-blowing what they did. Yep. But you should watch this show, too, because it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and watch the documentary yes. at the bare minimum. Too. Yes. Yes. Great. Definitely. 
Well, um, I think we've said everything we have. Unless Zach, did you have any other stream of consciousness stuff that um, you wanted to drop on us? Gosh, you know, I think I think we got everything to that I wanted <laughs> to say. Um, yeah, man, this was a really fun show to watch. I'm, I'm definitely gonna try and watch some more of it. Um, and yeah, Eric, you you definitely need mm-hmm. to watch that documentary because it's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I know. Very, very good stuff. <laughs> well, hey, where can where since actually, you know, what's funny is like y'all are our first guests on Walloping Web Snappers, so this is what? Oh, wow, we've, thanks. Yeah, no Thank way. You. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. totally for real. Not lying. I don't think. Dare correct no, me if I'm wrong. No, we've tried to avoid subjecting people <laughs> to this to, to this podcast <laughs> to <laughs> our very specific brand of like obsession. But but I'm 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 so happy that you're here, and I would love for folks to uh, to find more of what you're doing. So, um, Eric, yeah. where can people find stuff that you're working on, and and just you in general? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm on mainly active on Twitter, but you can also find me on Instagram at trekkieb47. I'm online with that name pretty much everywhere you can find me. For the podcast, we are also on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, so you can find us there or at rangercommand.com. And we're on Twitter at rangercommandph and rangercommandpowerhour, all one word, on Facebook and Instagram. Cool. Zach, where can people find you and the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, so uh, aside from, uh, like Eric mentioned with the podcast, you can find me on Twitter I am at Zach Lavoy on Twitter. Uh, I'm Hollywood Zach on TikTok, making goofy videos <laughs> whenever the mood strikes me because I am a Gen Z trapped in a millennial body. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's me all over the internet. Nice. Well, we would encourage anybody listening to check out our Walloping Web Snappers Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers for all the things that Derek and I are doing. But sometimes we do things separately. So, Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you're working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. If you like Pokemon stuff, you can find me here on another show on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you're a fan of books, video games, TV shows, pretty much any sort of media, and you'd like to know what other folks are consuming, you can listen to a podcast called Novel Gaming where my friends Katie and Vicky and I catch up and talk about everything we've been consuming. If you'd like more of me and Derek, you can check out our monthly podcast called falling with style an ongoing pixar movie marathon where we are watching every pixar film chronologically our episode on monsters inc is out now um, and you can find that pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts if you'd like everything we're doing in one place or an archive of all of our episodes by show visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com the archive is super duper helpful if you are specifically watching the 90s show you can go to our website and basically filter just the 90s show episodes if you're watching just spectacular you can do that for that or any show we've covered so far you can follow us on all sorts of social media twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod or email us at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com if you've been watching the show let us know what you think Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what we are doing, somebody else will too. And that is the most helpful thing you can do for a podcast is just talk about us and create some traffic. Next week, 
we start off 2021 by traveling to 2017 for Spidey's most recent iteration with the series of YouTube shorts that started it all in Marvel's Spider-Man Origins. See you there. See ya. Spider-Man.